What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and today we have our week four wide receiver matchups video where we go through every single matchup, every single fantasy relevant wide receiver to make sure you guys are all good and ready to go to make your start sit decisions for Sunday. So, with that being said, we have like 15 games to get through. Let's not waste any time. If you enjoy, make sure down below, subscribe, leave a like. Let's go. Now, this first matchup, we have our first London game of the season. We have the Vikings technically on the road, but it's a neutral matchup as two and a half point favorites with an over under 43 and a half Vikings versus Saints. The Vikings who want to pass the ball, play with tempo. We have the Saints who want to play slower and run the ball. Saints also have a top 10 defense, so it's not a great fantasy environment here, but you do have the upside of it being a weird London game and things just getting weird. Now, when we talk about the Vikings wide receivers, we have Justin Jefferson, who is coming off back-to-back -back games with under 50 yards and no touchdowns, and he gets a tough matchup this week versus Marshawn Lattimore and PFF's six-ranked coverage defense. Now, I still have him as a top three play this week, even in a tough matchup. He is still Justin Jefferson. A blow-up game is coming here soon. And I'm also not that scared of Marshawn Lattimore, who even though he's been really good this season, Kevin O'Connell comes from the Sean McVay system where Sean McVay is really, really good at scheming open his wide receivers versus linebackers versus safeties, pretty much getting them off of the number one corner. And when you look at last year, McVay had both Cooper Cup and Robert Woods in the top six for highest route participation matched up on linebackers. Justin Jefferson this year is playing the most snaps he's ever played in his entire career out of the slot at a 41% rate. So as much as the matchup isn't pretty and the scoring is not going to be super high, he's still Justin Jefferson. It's still a fine matchup for him. He's going to be schemed open. I still like Justin Jefferson as, again, like a top three option this week. Then we also have Adam Thielen, who is coming off of his first game with a 20% target share or better in his first game with over 15 points this season. Now, Thielen's the one with a tough matchup here because you have Jefferson who's going to be moved all around the formation. You have Thielen who's going to be playing on the outside, drawing coverage from Marshawn Lattimore. So with that, I would call him a boom-bust flex option here. You're pretty much hoping for a touchdown. Now, KJ Osborne, I have him as a sit here. He had a clutch touchdown at the end of the game last week, but he's still a 14% target share guy in the season. He can't go in your lineup for now. The Saints wide receiver room is dealing with injuries. Michael Thomas hasn't practiced all week. I don't think he'll play, so I have him as a sit. And if he does play, I would be super cautious about starting him. Then you have Jarvis Landry, who got a practice in on Thursday after missing all week with an ankle injury. It sounds like he'll play, but even if he does, I'd sit him just due to the fact that he has an injury. He'll probably be a little bit hobbled out there. And then he also hasn't had more than 25 receiving yards in a game since week one. You also have Jameis Winston, who's dealing with his back injury. I believe Andy Dalton and Taysom Hill have been taking first-team snaps in practice in London so far. It's up in the air if Jameis Winston's going to play at this point. All right, so I'm going to be honest with you guys. This video took a little bit longer than we were expecting to edit. I wanted to get this out on lunchtime on Friday. It's now 5 p.m. on Friday. Since then, we've had injuries happen. I don't want to give you guys footage late. And then also not have it be up to date. So we have a couple of updates. I'm going to come on here periodically throughout and sort of give you guys an updated take on the game because of inactives or players sitting out, which obviously here I'm saying, I don't know if Jameis Winston's going to play. It has come out that he's not going to play in London. So we're looking at a tandem of Andy Dalton and Taysom Hill at quarterback. So I originally had Chris Olave as a start here. I had him as a top 24 option, ready to go. 
and now he has Andy Dalton and James or Andy Dalton and Taysom Hill. So I'm downgrading him to a flex. He's still coming off of two back-to-back great games, over 30% target share. He's still going to be a focal point of this offense, but with a new quarterback, with potentially them wanting to run the ball more here, I have him with a little bit of a downgrade here, but still a nice flex option would probably be in the wide receiver 30s area. Then we have the 1 p.m. games with the Browns at the Falcons. The Browns are one and a half point favorites on the road. The over-under is 47 and a half. Both of these teams want to possess the ball. They want to run the ball. You have Arthur Smith, Kevin Stefanski, two guys who want to really establish the run here. The thing is, is that both of them have had their offenses playing efficient to start the year, where they're both top eight in DVO off, DVOA offense. So you have a spot here where it should be slow. There shouldn't be a lot of passing, but there still should be some scoring. And I think that's why the over-under is pretty high here with 47 and a half, despite kind of a wonky environment. And when we talk about Amari Cooper with the Browns, I would have him as a fine low-end wide receiver two option here as a fine start. He's coming off back-to-back 30% plus target share games, 20-point games in both of them. He might get shadowed by AJ Terrell, but he hasn't been that much of a force this year. He got exposed by Allen Robinson. He got exposed by Michael Thomas. Now that is all in the end zone, but again, this is a secondary averaging the fifth most fantasy points to wide receivers right now. So I don't think that Terrell is somebody we really need to shy away from. And then we have Donovan Peoples-Jones, who is a sit for me. He has one reception since his 11 target week in week one. You're not playing him even in the most desperate of situations. Then on the Falcons side, Drake London has earned himself every week wide receiver two consideration. He's sitting at wide receiver 14 on the season. He has a 31% target share on the year. He should be a fine option versus a Browns defense that is allowing the ninth most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. We saw Garrett Wilson expose them. It wouldn't shock me if Drake London popped off a little bit here as home underdogs. Next, we have the matchup I'm most excited for this week, which is the Bills on the road versus the Ravens. The Bills are three-point favorites here. The over-under is 51. There's going to be scoring here. You have Baltimore, who is just playing out of their minds, where Lamar Jackson's playing out of his mind. They are the number one offense per DVOA. The Bills are at number six. Both of these teams are top six in pass rate over expectation. There's going to be a lot of passing. There's going to be a lot of scoring. The Ravens just got the Patriots to keep up with them in a 60-point shootout. This game could really pop off, especially with the Bills having a banged-up secondary with, I believe, Mika Hyde is on IR. I believe Poyer is dealing with something. I believe some of their corners are dealing with some things, which means if this game shoots out, Diggs is going to be the main beneficiary. I have him as my wide receiver one in all of fantasy this week in a really nice matchup and in a really nice environment. Now, when we have Gabe Davis, he's had a shaky season so far after his 18.8 point game in the opener. He missed week two, and then he only had three catches for 37 yards last week. He has a 12.9% target share on the season, which isn't what you want for a like top 24 wide receiver, but I'm keeping the light on for Gabe Davis. I would be starting him in such a high-scoring environment against a secondary like this. This could be a nice blow-up spot for Gabe Davis in a game script that should be high-scoring and fast-paced. He's going to make his money on big, broken plays. I think we will see Gabe Davis get loose for one at some point in this game. Then we also have Isaiah McKenzie, who I know is coming off a 21-point game. People are going to want to start McKenzie here, but the role is just not big enough for me to have him in any lineups. He's only running about... 50% of the routes at this point. We talked about this earlier in the week, but you need a Jamison Crowder injury for him to be somebody you want to put in your lineup on a consistent basis. Then we have the Ravens wide receivers, and the only one worth talking about is Rashad Bateman, and he just logged his third straight week with under an 80% route participation, and I said last week, 
this route participation is going to burn us eventually. He turns in two catches for 59 yards. So he's still this big play weapon. They're just not using him a ton. And because of that, having as a boom-bust flex option, just given how volatile it is that he's running less than a starter share of routes and of snaps. Now, this is a high-scoring matchup against a banged-up Bill secondary. It wouldn't shock me if he had like three to four catches for 100 yards and a touchdown. But again, he does have some boom bust in his profile just due to his playing time then we have the washington commanders on the road as three-point underdogs in dallas versus the cowboys the over under is 41 and a half and this is going to be an ugly game where dallas has been running the ball more and playing slow with cooper rush and they've been relying on their defense which is the eighth best dvoa defense and the second best graded pass rush defense on pff and that's how they've been winning games. They also have the sixth best pass DVOA defense, but even still, I'm flexing Curtis Samuel this week. He's yet to score less than 13 PPR points, and I like him where he's operating at a low A dot. So if Carson Wentz is feeling under pressure all game, he'll have Curtis Samuel as his direct beneficiary as an outlet in the dump off game. I think that's how he'll kind of get his touches. He'll get like five to seven touches, whether that's carries, catches, whatever. He'll be fine. Terry McLaurin I have as a flex as well, but he is going to be seeing shadow coverage from Trevon Diggs on the perimeter, and Ian Harditz does a great shadow coverage article every week over on PFF, and he showed McLaurin's career stat lines versus Diggs, where yes, he had seven catches for 90 yards and a touchdown versus Diggs, but that was when Trevon Diggs was a rookie. Since then, he's been pretty quiet. Last year, he was a little bit banged up, so he had a zero game, straight goose egg, and then in week 16 last year, he had three catches for 40 yards and no touchdown. So... I would treat him as a boom-bust flex option here. You're kind of hoping that Diggs gambles on a shallow route or a comeback and Terry McLaurin beats him deep for, you know, a big play. That's pretty much all you're really hoping for with McLaurin. It's going to be a low-volume game for him. We'll see what happens. I'm treating him as like a boom-bust, low-end flex option here. And then we have Jahan Dotson, who put up a whopping three points last week in his first game without a touchdown. He's only at a 14.2% target share. The fantasy points have been nice, but he's not in a role yet where he's commanding enough volume to where you can flex him in a matchup like this versus the Cowboys. On the other side, I love CeeDee Lamb, who's coming off a huge 20-plus point week where it could have been 30 if he didn't drop that post downfield from Cooper Rush, who, by the way, Cooper Rush threw a beautiful ball where he was kind of coming down the seam, CeeDee Lamb, and the safety's over top, and he throws it to this like sort of corner of the field to the sideline, leads him all the way there, and CeeDee Lamb was the one who actually screwed up that play. Regardless, CeeDee Lamb is still amazing. He's commanded now 11 or more targets in each game this season. He has commanded the elite volume we're hoping for. He just doesn't have Dak Prescott throwing him the ball at this point, but he's still seeing enough volume to be an every game starter, especially playing against a Washington secondary that is allowing the third most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers after just getting torched by A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith last week. Now, the rest of these Cowboys wide receivers were not putting in lineups. Noah Brown has been good, but... I just can't recommend flexing him. It seems like Michael Gallup will be back this week, which should take Noah Brown from a starter's portion of snaps to a rotational player. And from there, he's not somebody that I want to be playing, especially in such a low over-under matchup here. Then we have one of the higher over-under matchups, which are the Seahawks on the road as four and a half point underdogs to the Lions. The over-under is 48 and a half, which is really high for a Seahawks game, but I completely get it. The Lions at this point have averaged a total score of 65.7 in their game so far that is like a full almost 20 points above this implied over under Detroit is also running a lot of plays their third and neutral pace Seahawks are also running more no huddle they're playing up speed here they are the fifth highest no huddle rate offense in the league right now 
And after saying Pete Carroll came out and was like, we're going to be running a faster paced offense. We're going to be doing this and that. Dwayne McFarland highlighted in his utilization report article, which is also on PFF, which is a great article every week. The Seahawks went from a 48 play average in weeks one and two. Again, about 60 plays is league average. So 48 is absolutely brutal. He comes out here in week three and ran 69 plays. That was a 21 play improvement over his previous average. We'll see if Pete Carroll and this offense keep that going, but we have to assume that the Lions at the very least should be able to drag them out into a shootout where they're going to be playing fast. They're going to be scoring a lot in a dome environment. Both of these defenses are bottom five in PFF grades. You're going to have a spot here where this game could shoot out. It's going to be in a dome. Neither of these defenses are very good. I kind of like this to be maybe not a shootout, but you know, I think it'll get very close to that 50 number, 48 number. We'll see. And when we talk about the Seahawks, we have both Seattle wide receivers playing pretty well, where in this new environment, both of them had 15 points last week. They both saw 10 or more targets. And I have them both as high-end flex plays versus PFF's third lowest ranked pass coverage defense in a friendly scoring environment. On the Lions side, so this is another game that the injury bug just completely threw a wrench into where I had a complete Detroit Lions breakdown here. None of it matters. Amon Ross St. Brown is officially ruled out, which means DJ Chark, someone I had listed as a sit originally, gets a slight upgrade against a Seattle defense that ranks second worst in PFF pass coverage grade. And now I don't mind him as a super low end. I'm saying probably my least ranked flex on this entire video, but I would have him as a low end boom bust flex play this week. DJ Chark in a matchup versus a beatable defense and in a matchup with a lot of points in the over under. Now, I guess that adds Josh Reynolds into being relevant for Detroit. I know he's had two back-to-back -back games that are actually better than DJ Chark. I just personally wouldn't want him in my lineup. I trust DJ Chark a little bit more, and I think that he has a little bit more upside as this really high ADOT guy, who I believe is like top like 20 in the league in air yards. I want to say his ADOT's like 18 yards downfield. You're pretty much just banking on a big play with Chark. I'd rather leave Josh Reynolds on my bench, on waivers, whatever. And we have the Chargers on the road as five and a half point favorites to the Texans. The over-under is 44 and a half. Both of these teams pass the ball at a top eight rate over expected. Houston's been playing fast. They're seventh in neutral pace. They're seventh highest in no huddle rate. The Texans have also keep games close. They haven't lost by more than a touchdown this season. They should kind of keep up with the Chargers here who are banged up and not playing that great. The Chargers offense, which are supposed to be really good. They're only 17th in points per game at this point. Herbert is hurt. They're playing against a run funnel team as well, where these pass catching options like Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, it's not a great environment where Houston is a top 10 DVOA pass defense, but they're bottom three versus the run. I think that this is going to be a Chargers team that comes out here, takes some pressure off of a hurt Herbert, and lets Eckler just eat between the tackles, maybe even let Sony Michelle, Josh Kelly, whoever they want between the tackles. They shouldn't have much trouble running. Now, they do lose Rashawn Slater, so maybe the offensive line downgrade gives them less of an advantage there, but I think that they'll want to try the run game at the very least in this situation. Now, when we talk about the wide receivers, our last, last second update for this video is Keenan Allen. I had a complete charges breakdown here. Keenan Allen gets ruled out, and that shakes everything up. So Mike Williams goes from a flex here to a start where he sort of has a tough matchup where the Texans are a top 10 DVOA pass defense, but he's going to be the focal point of this passing game like he has been with Keenan Allen out. I like him as a nice, you know, back-end wide receiver too fine start this week and then i'm upgrading josh palmer from a sit 
to a flex here who has put up 13 or more points in his last two games on this season without Keenan Allen. Then with the Texans wide receivers, we have Brandon Cooks, who I have as a high-end flex play. The volume's been there. He has a top 15 target share at 28.2%. This offense just hasn't been good. The Texans are playing at home. They get to go up against a Joey Bosa-less defense, so maybe they'll be all right. I think that he's a fine play just on volume alone versus the Chargers, who are allowing the six most fantasy points to wide receivers. Nico Collins is still, I guess, worth talking about. He's yet to crack 10 PPR points this season. Until he does, he belongs on your bench. Then we have the Titans on the road versus the Colts. The Colts are three-point favorites at home. The over-under is 42.5. And, and the Colts shocked everybody last week. They beat the Chiefs. They looked okay. This week, I don't think there's going to be as much drama or fireworks. These are two teams that are bottom seven in pass rate over-expected. They both want to run the ball and play slow. It's not going to be good for fantasy. So when we talk about the Titans wide receivers, I have both. Robert Woods and Traylon Burks as sits this week, not even flex plays. Neither of them have logged a top 30 finish yet this season, and the Colts are allowing the six least fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. I think the Titans will run the ball on the ground here and sort of not have much going on through the air. Now, with Michael Pittman Jr., I have him as I start this week as a top 15 option. He is one of four wide receivers this week on PFF with an excellent matchup against a soft secondary where the Titans are giving up the fourth most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers even in a low scoring slow environment Michael Pittman should keep up his high target floor that he's had and be just fine against the secondary then we have one of our uglier matchups of the week the Bears on the road versus the Giants the Giants are three and a half point favorites at home the over-under is 39 and a half this is going to be a low scoring game both teams want to run the ball one of them through Saquon one of them through Khalil Herbert it's not going to be great. Again, over-under of 39.5 is really low. Neither of these teams have great pass catchers either, where the Bears have Darnell Mooney, who is fine, right? He's a talented wide receiver, but the Giants are allowing the third least amount of fantasy points to opposing wide receivers, and the Bears only have 23 pass completions on the season. Until that number goes up, until the Bears, you know, transition out of their high school offense and they pass the ball more than like 15 times a game, Mooney has to be on your bench. Also, by the way, don't go out there and drop Mooney just yet. I know I've seen people say that they're dropping Mooney, whatever, whatever. I would still hold on to him for now. I doubt there's something that much better on waivers. Then we have the Giants wide receivers. And it's just as ugly as a situation where we are looking at after Sterling Shepard tears his ACL, which is a brutal story where he tears his Achilles, he comes back, balls out, and then just running down the sideline at MetLife, he tears his ACL. You truly hate to see it. But now this team's wide receiver core is Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony, who are both kind of in the doghouse here. You have Richie James, who's been looking okay. You have David Sills, who's been looking okay. You have Daniel Bellinger, who's a tight end. He's a rookie tight end. It's a really weird setup. I would say everybody, we don't know how this is going to shake out. It's also a bad matchup where it's a low-scoring game. The Bears have a top 10 DVOA pass defense. The Giants are seventh lowest in pass attempts in terms of volume. If they're going to win this game and score points, it will be through Saquon. I'll be sitting all Giants wide receivers. I do think the only pass catchers that will be relevant in the future are Tony, Wandale, Galladay. It just comes down to Wandale getting healthy or Galladay, Tony getting out of their doghouse. It's a really weird situation there, but I would start zero of the Giants players on offense and fantasy outside of Saquon. Then we have the Jaguars. On the road versus the Eagles. The Eagles are six and a half point favorites at home. The over-under is 46 and a half. I want to say that number came down 
since we talked on Wednesday when it was at like maybe like 48 and a half. Regardless, it should be a really fun matchup where we get to see if the Jaguars are for real. As of now, they're top five in offense and defense per DVOA. But now they have a super tough matchup on the road versus the Eagles. Doug Peterson, sort of revenge game here. And this is going to be a game where even though the Jaguars defense is really good, the Eagles have been just scoring at will this season. So they probably shouldn't have much of an issue. The Jaguars are going to try and keep up here. Both teams are top seven in neutral pace. They're going to have a lot of plays, a lot of scoring in this one. I like this environment for fantasy. Now, when I say a lot of scoring, I think there's going to be a lot of scoring on the Eagles side. There's a chance that the Jaguars come out here on the road, and it's just a really, really tough environment for Trevor Lawrence to win in, and they just lay an egg, and it's like 31-9. to We'll see. I still do like Christian Kirk as a start here, even in a tough matchup versus Philly's pass defense, which is top three in pass DVOA defense and on PFF pass coverage. As the wide receiver six on the season, Christian Kirk has owned me this entire year. I called him a flex last week, and he still did great. For that reason, he deserves every week wide receiver two status moving forward, regardless of matchup. He should be in your lineup. Then we have Zay Jones and Marvin Jones. I'll be sitting both of them. They're perimeter players. They're going to draw matchups against Darius Slay all week or all day. Same with even James Bradbury, who's been pretty good this year. I don't think either of them are really going to be factors in this game. They can both comfortably be sat on your bench. Then we have Philly, who is absolutely rolling here, and they should be more inclined to pass versus PFF's number two ranked run defense. They're only 15th in pass DVOA, and A.J. Brown is one of four wide receivers with an excellent matchup on PFF. I have him as a top 10 matchup for me this week. There should be scoring here. There should be plays. A.J. Brown shouldn't have an issue versus this secondary. We also have Devonta Smith here, who is a high-end flex play coming off an eight-catch, 169, one-touchdown performance last week. I would call him a nice high-end upside option at flex versus a Jaguars defense that is allowing the 11th most fantasy points to wide receivers. Then we have the Jets on the road versus the Steelers. So Steelers are three-point favorites at home. The over-under is 41 and a half. And this is going to be a low-scoring game that could just be a complete dumpster fire. I don't really have a read on this game because we have Zach Wilson coming in here. It's his first game back from injury, which means the Jets' offense could look a lot different. We had last year LaFleur let Flacco, let Mike White, let Josh Johnson throw the ball a ton. Then Zach Wilson came in and he reverted the offense back a little bit, sort of went a little bit more conservative. We'll see. It could be because he was a rookie. He didn't want to sort of expose him to that. Maybe he sort of has more trust in Zach Wilson now. We'll see. The whole identity of this offense could shift. The number one target guy could shift. A lot of things are up in the air with Zach Wilson playing in this game. And he's also playing against a Steelers defense that is pretty good. Mika Fitzpatrick is going to be a tough guy for Zach Wilson to sort of deal with all day. To be honest with you guys, as a Jets fan, this is a scary game on the road for Zach Wilson where it, we could very easily see like a 170-yard, like 45% completion, two to three interception day from Zach Wilson. It could be ugly. So when we talk about the Jets wide receivers, with that in mind, we have no clue how this passing offense works. Again, we don't know who's going to get the targets. We don't know who's going to get targeted where. Is Zach Wilson going to want to push the ball downfield? Will LaFleur let him do that? We really don't know. And it's a low point total. So if I could, I'd want to sit both. But just because of Garrett Wilson's talent and him being amazing and him still finding a way to score points on a low amount of routes with Joe Flacco, I'm still going to have him as a low-end boom-bust flex play. And then I'll have Elijah Moore to sit for now, who hasn't turned in a startable week yet. And I would like to see him have a week with Zach Wilson first. And we'll see if the usage is there and we'll go on from that moving forward. Then we have the Steelers wide receivers. And it's such a low point total game. 
even against a soft Jets defense, I'm only starting Deontay Johnson this week. He is the only wide receiver on this team that has been fantasy relevant with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. He still has his 32% target share that he's had since last season. Have to follow the volume. Claypool and Pickens, for me, because they aren't commanding that same type of volume, can be sat in this game. Which then brings us to the 4 p.m. games here. We have the Cardinals on the road versus the Panthers. The Panthers are one and a half point favorites at home. The over-under is 42 and a half. And I kind of like the over in this one. Carolina is first in neutral pace. Arizona leads the league in no huddle rate. There should be a ton of plays, but there also might be a ton of three and outs. I will say, though, the Cardinals defense is awful. They have the worst PFF pass coverage defense. If there was ever a week for Baker Mayfield to look competent, for this whole offense to look competent, it would be this week. And then on the other side, you have Kyler Murray as an underdog versus a Carolina defense that's probably neutral. This could be a high-scoring game. There could be some points, some yards in this one. We'll see. I mean, Vegas has it at 42.5 for a reason, so I could look like an idiot, and this could be a 17-10 to 10 game. We'll see what happens. Now, regardless, I still like Marquise Brown as a must-start option here versus what I would call a neutral matchup in Carolina. We just saw them let an undersized perimeter wide receiver in Chris Olave put up nine catches for 147 yards. I like Hollywood Brown here after sort of having a, not a get right game, but what he had like more than 10 catches last week, a 28 point game. That was kind of, I feel like his homecoming or not his homecoming, but you get what I mean. Like it was the first game where it felt like he finally clicked with Kyler Murray since their college days. I like Marquise Brown as a fine, you know, borderline top 24 guy this week. And then we also have Greg Dortch, who despite being the wide receiver 19, I'm still not flexing. He has back-to-back -back weeks under target share of 20%. He's not getting the volume you need for him to sustain production. He's a low-end desperation flex play. If you absolutely need to, you can. But if I could avoid it, I'm not trying to start Greg Dorch anywhere. Then we have DJ Moore, who is the wide receiver 61 on the season. But he draws, again, a favorable matchup versus a Cardinal secondary that has the league-worst PFF coverage grade. I am as a low-end flex, even with how bad Baker has been. Again, if there was every week for any of these Panthers to go off, it would be this week. Now, just due to how bad this offense has been, Robbie Anderson is a very easy sit this week. DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey are really the only fantasy playmakers on this team you can trust even slightly. And even then, our trust is for sure dwindling. Next, we have the Patriots on the road versus the Packers. The Patriots are minus 9.5 point favorites on the road here. An over-under of 39.5 means that this is going to be an ugly low scoring game both of these teams are in no hurry to snap the ball they want to play slow and i imagine with mac jones not playing this week or it hasn't even been official yet it's some reports are saying that he might play but it's a high ankle sprain i would i would doubt it and if he does play he's going to be in a world of pain this is a low scoring spot this seems like a game where aaron Rodgers wins like 24 to 13 or something like that it's going to be ugly both of these teams are going to want to play slow and because of that i just have no interest in flexing Devontae Parker or Jacoby Myers, even though Devontae Parker had a great week and Jacoby Myers looked good early on in the season. If Mac Jones isn't playing, I would like to see what it looks like with Brian Hoyer first before even flexing guys like Jacoby Myers or Devontae Parker. And on the Packers side, I would also sit them as well. Lazard and Dobbs are interesting flex options, but again, this is going to be a low scoring game versus a Patriots defense that's allowing the fifth fewest fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. Lazard is still dealing with his injury. And Dobbs may have his snaps decrease with Christian Watson coming back. Their receivers are getting healthier. And if Dobbs only had that 94% route participation like he had last week because of wide receiver injuries, his share will go back down to a spot where you can't start him anymore. So this is a nice wait and see game for Dobbs, where if he comes out here and he still gets a starter's, you know, plate starter share of routes, then he's somebody that you can fire up as a flex 
moving forward but in such a low scoring matchup here I think that I would rather try and wait and see with these Packers wide receivers after that we have the Broncos at the Raiders the Raiders are two and a half point home favorites in the dome the over-under is 45 and a half these offenses have not been great this season the Broncos games alone have averaged 26 points combined both of these teams have rookie head coaches that have sort of been in a funk I, the Raiders are 0-3 they've lost three straight one possession games you have the Broncos who just haven't looked competent in any way here I think that I would lean the under here I think it might be an ugly game we'll see I think it's just going to be like who can screw up more in this game it's going to be ugly but the Raiders secondary isn't really much to write home about where they are the eighth worst coverage graded defense on PFF there should be an easy matchup for these wide receivers it just comes down to if the offense can finally score points they're going to have an explosion soon I just don't know when it's going to be so for now I like Sutton as a fine start as a you know back-end wide receiver too he's passed 30 percent or more target share in the last two weeks he's a fine start we have Jerry Judy as well who is now a couple weeks removed from his shoulder injury he's had a full week of practice being a full participant he should be good to go I will say I'm still slightly hesitant you never really know what these guys were they say they're good, they get full practices in, and they're still like banged up a little bit. So I don't know if he's fully healthy yet. So for that, I have him as a boom-bust option as a flex. There's still some risk that he's just a decoy out there until he gets fully healthy. We'll see. Regardless, this is a very beatable Raiders secondary who it wouldn't shock me at all if Jerry Judy got loose for one and had like a two-catch, 70-yard touchdown game. On the Raiders side, we have Devontae Adams, who's in a tough matchup in a bad environment versus the fifth-best DVOA defense with a top five pass DVOA defense and PFF coverage grade in the Broncos. Patrick Sertain, that whole unit, is the real deal. And even with all of that, even with the low point total, even with the Broncos only having 26 total points on average in their first three matchups, Devontae Adams is still Devontae Adams. He's still a top five option for me, despite what has been two weeks where he hasn't been great. It feels like this is a get right sort of squeaky wheel game for Devontae Adams where they get him more involved after two quiet weeks. With these Raiders wide receivers, I would sit all of their options. Renfro still doesn't practice this week with his concussion. And even if he can't go, Matt Collins should stay on benches versus a really strong Broncos secondary that has allowed the fewest fantasy points to opposing wide receivers so far. After that, we have the Sunday night game. Chiefs on the road versus the Buccaneers. The Chiefs are one and a half point favorites. The over-under is 45 and a half. And I gotta be honest with you guys, I'm not a weatherman. There's some kind of hurricane. I believe it's Hurricane Ian is going on in Florida, Tampa area, Miami area, somewhere there. I really couldn't tell you if this is going to affect the game. If it does, then maybe you're going to want to have options on Sunday. We'll sort of have more clarity once we get to like Saturday, Sunday area of what's going on with this storm. But Tampa and their governor or whatever like claims that the hurricane is going to be fine. So I don't know. We'll see. This Bucks offense has been really weird where they haven't had all of their weapons. They've been slower than usual. They haven't passed the ball as much as they usually have. I think they're going to want to get back to that soon. And the Chiefs could kind of drag them out into a shootout here. So we'll kind of see what this what happens here. I think this game is high upside, low floor, where it could be really low scoring, like, you know, 27 to 14. Or it could be really high scoring where it's like 31 to 21, something like that. We'll see. Regardless, on the Chiefs side, I have Juju Smith-Schuster as a flex this week in a tough matchup versus the number one DVOA defense in the Buccaneers. Even still, he's catching passes from Patrick Mahomes. He saw his highest target share of the season last week. So for that, I think he's still a fine flex option. 
Now, after Juju, I'm sitting all other Chiefs in this tough matchup. No one else has really emerged. No one else has really scored fantasy points. I would just wait on something to happen on that front. I think you're really only starting Juju, Kelsey, Clyde Edwards-Alaire on a weekly basis for this team. And then we have Mike Evans, who it's kind of a nice little suspension that he got there. Mike Evans has been banged up in the past. He gets like a full like two weeks to sort of rest up, sort of rejuvenate his body early on in the season. It's kind of nice that he is fresh now. He's literally said that he's been at all the practices, full participant, nothing's bothering him. He's good to go. He's a locked-in wide receiver one this week after his first full game of the season came in that low-scoring game versus Dallas where he still put up five catches, 71 yards, a touchdown. I have to imagine that after two Chris Godwin-less and like Mike Evans-less games, or I guess Mike Evans played for half of the Saints game, but Tom Brady should be happy to have Evans back, should make a point to target him in this game. Now with these Buccaneers wide receivers, I would sit all of their options. Julio Jones and Chris Godwin, surprisingly, both got limited practices in this week. We don't know if they're going to play. If they do play, they might be limited. So really all it comes down to for me is Evans is a start. Everyone else is a sit in this passing offense. Even with Gage coming off that big game, if Godwin's limited, if Julio's limited, if either of those guys suit up this week, they're going to take away from Gage's snaps. We also don't know if Gage's production is going to carry over now that Evans is back. If I could, I would sit him and see if anything from last week sticks for Gage. Then our Monday night game for week four is the Rams on the road versus the Niners, who are one and a half point favorites at home. The over-under is 42 and a half. That's a low over-under here. And these guys play each other close. Three of their last five matchups have gone under 43 points. One of them have been 43 points on the dot. And the only one to go over 43 points was one game that was an overtime shootout. So this is going to be a slow, low-scoring game. There's definitely shootout potential, right, where the Rams have a really good offense and the 49ers have Debo Samuel, Ayuk, all these playmakers. It could lend itself to a shootout, but you also have two guys that are bottom six in neutral pace. They're not passing the ball a ton. It's kind of an ugly matchup here. Even still, Cooper Cup is a must-start option here. He's a locked and loaded top three option for me this week. But Allen Robinson's a little bit trickier, where he followed up his 15-point, like sort of squeaky wheel game in week two, with another dud under five points. At this point, in a game like this, that's low scoring against PFF's number one coverage defense in the 49ers, if I could keep them out of lineups and on my bench, I would if possible. Then we have the 49ers wide receivers, who I actually really like in this matchup despite a low point total. The Rams are allowing the second most fantasy points to wide receivers. And this feels like a Debo get right game where he still hasn't gone over 15 points this season in a single game despite averaging over 20 points per game last season. Both of his games versus the Rams last year, he had 28 PPR points or more. I kind of love him to pop off here. And I also like Ayuk, who is coming off his second straight week with a 29% or better target share. Jimmy Garoppolo is targeting him a ton. It feels like a big week is coming here. I like him as a big upside flex option in this game, even if this is a low point total game. I like him to sort of maybe catch one deep if Jalen Ramsey gets caught looking, sort of sitting on a shallow route. We'll see what happens. Now, that is our entire wide receiver matchup video. If you want access to my complete wide receiver rankings, they will be out by the time you watch this video. I get all of them out by Thursday night around like 7 p.m. And if you have two guys like Jerry Judy and DJ Moore who are both flexes, I won't know who I prefer on the rankings until I sit down and do them once I'm done recording this video. So if you want access to that, that'll be on patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. I also have my weekly rest of season rankings that come out every Wednesday. I have my 
waiver wire article with exact fab percentages that I recommend for you to bid on these players on Tuesdays. And then on Sunday, I have my start sit Q&A with the patrons to make sure we're all locked in for Sunday. So again, if you enjoy the video, make sure down below, subscribe, leave a like, and I will see you guys in the next one. I got the juice, I got the juice. Tenno, on. Foolies glad I'm on. Even my haters kind of glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my bag of on. Rapper song, singer, suspended subpoena from Mr. Me.